Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Studio on iHeartRadio. My name's Jordan Runtog, but enough about me. My guest today released what I believe to be among the best music of 2021. The Recording Academy agrees. They've nominated her and her musical collective for a pair of Grammys, Best New Artist, and Best Alternative Record for her album, Jubilee. I won't even try to describe its beauty, firstly because the intricate, dreamy soundscapes must be heard to be believed, but also as a newly minted New York Times bestselling author, she's demonstrably a better writer than I am, and I don't want to embarrass myself. The album Jubilee is inextricably linked with her recent memoir, Crying in H Mart. It's an arresting account of her days as a caregiver for her Korean mother during the end of her battle with cancer. This loss looms large over her first two albums, but on Jubilee, she sings a different tune. In short, it's an album about joy. That's not to say it's an album about being happy, but something a little more nuanced and a little more ephemeral. It's the choice to move towards joy, to search for it, recognize it, and preserve it. Jubilee is less about overwhelming technicolor ecstasy and more about eking out pleasure in the everyday. Heard in context with her previous music and book, which she's currently adapting into a feature film, these little victories resonate as major triumphs. And even out of context, Jubilee triumphs as a stunning piece of art. I'm so happy to welcome the singer, songwriter, and guiding force of Japanese breakfast, Michelle Zahner. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Yeah, 
In the last year, you've released two absolutely stunning pieces of work, the book Crying in H Mart and the album Jubilee. And I'm so struck by the juxtaposition of writing a book, processing grief while making music about moving towards joy. Was it difficult to veer between those two, you know, extreme emotional landscapes or was it a nice counterbalance? Um, I think that they just go so hand in hand. Crying in H Mart was written before turning to this album Jubilee. And I think that in a way, writing Crying in H Mart made me finally feel like I had said everything I wanted to say about this this really intense experience, this this life-changing experience. And um, I felt really ready to be- begin a new chapter. And I think that writing Jubilee really felt like I was starting anew in this in this way. And I think maybe there's a kind of like self-mythologizing in, in the process of making that record too, of just like, okay, this it's time for you to allow this new emotion into your life creatively and, and personally. It was really cool to see moments when the book and the album were in conversation with each other. And there's a, a beautiful line in Crying in H Mart. It felt like the world had divided into two different types of people, those who'd felt pain and those who had yet to. And you sing similar words in Posing in Bondage. And I thought that in many cases, the book added a whole new dimension to the lyrics. Thank you for noticing that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of borrowed lines. You know, a lot of the times, I mean, there's just so much space in a book. And so I think that with music, you're looking for lines that really distill a certain type of emotion or thought. And it was fun to kind of, you know, that was the feeling that I had and it exists on its own in song. But then to unpack that and what it looked like around it and when that thought came to me and and how I processed it was a whole new kind of freedom that I had in writing this book. And it was really fun to get to steal certain lines from other songs that I've written a long time ago and and put them into the book because it was very much how I felt in that moment. I already had this kind of archive of that type of uh, processing. Now, the the pandemic delayed the release of of Jubilee by a year, which meant Crying in H Mark came out uh, within a few weeks of Jubilee, which I know wasn't ideal for you initially, but at least from a fan perspective, it it really, to me, it made the song seem so much more important to see where you'd come through and that made the exuberance and joy seem all the more triumphant. Are you happy with the way that the the release shook out now? Yeah, I can't complain. You know, I definitely feel like it was, both releases were went as great as they could have gone. Um, I definitely went into that year thinking one of these is going to fail or one of these is going really? to fall short. And at least you have the other as like a kind of lifeboat. Uh, really? And then both of that, you know, I really felt like the book was like taking off uh, more than the record in a way. And then we were nominated for two Grammys and it kind of was just like, oh, I think they're actually like really neck and neck here. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really delighted. I honestly was just, I had no idea how either of them were going to be taken in. And so I really, I was so worried, um, that I was going to like get canceled or something, but it ended up only like lifting it higher, which was, which was nice. So now I'm very grateful that it happened the way that it did. There's this kind of common notion among creative people and I don't know, maybe even non-creative people, I suppose, that the best art comes from pain. You need to be in anguish in order to be productive as an artist. And you, you've spoken about this in the past, about feeling that way yourself at points. I was wondering, has the experience of making Jubilee and coming out the other side of this catharsis of writing the book, has that changed that, that notion for you? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that... Um 
Yeah, I, I think that that was part of the challenge um, that was exciting about writing an album about joy was that parts of it were going to have to lean into fiction. And also as you get older too, like all of the real like meat and potatoes of great songwriting, the yearning and the jealousy and, you know, like heartbreak are not really things that I go through in my life anymore. And so I was really worried going into it that it would lose some like real feeling by not having that in song. And so it was really comforting after writing this album. And also I wrote a couple songs for this video game soundtrack called Sable, where it was also having to like write in this very different type of way that wasn't so much about like my own personal trauma, um, that it was a real relief that, that I think that some of my most compelling music is, is music that has nothing to do with me uh, personally at all. Uh, Jubilee's your your third album, and you, you've talked a lot about the myth of the third album, it being sort of a crucial point in an artist's discography. I wanted to ask you more about that, the, the sort of the third album uh, uh, ethos. Yeah, I mean, for me, I just think it's the first time as an artist you can really start to think about your records in context of one another. You know, for the first two, it's like your debut, and then there's this fear of the sophomore slump. And by three, I feel like you're kind of thinking, okay, where does this how do these work with my previous work? What am I trying to move away from? What am I trying to strengthen? Um, and for me, I just feel like the third album, you should really just know who you are, like what your strengths are as, as an artist and, and, and how to put that forward, how to showcase that. Um, and I feel like a lot of times the third album is like a real um, bombastic, theatrical, like, culmination of all of the work that you've done up until that point. And I was thinking a lot about records like um, York's Homogenic and Wilco's Summer Teeth and Beach House's Teen Dream. Like all of these third albums are, just feel like real thesis statements, I think, in an artist's career. And so I was going in with that in mind. The arrangements on this record are just absolutely stunning. I mean, I, I love one of my favorites are the strings on Tactics. I can totally hear like the, the early Randy Newman vibe on that. It's so good. Uh, now, you recently started studying music theory, which to me is amazing considering how much you've accomplished prior to studying music theory. Um, you hear stories of people like Paul McCartney saying that they, they can't read music and they're almost reluctant to try because they're worried that that's going to, you know, take some of the spontaneity out of what they do. Did, did you encounter that? Like what, what went into uh, your decision to start um, studying music theory? Yeah, I mean, I just felt like I had sort of plateaued musically. Um, and, you know, I was worried about writing too many songs in the key of D or the same chord progression or um, the same. Yeah, like I have a lot of like chord shapes that I, you know, just tend to fall to because they're comfortable for me. And that was part of it. And another part was Craig Hendricks, who plays drums in our band and was the producer with me on Off Sounds from Another Planet and Jubilee, like, comes from. Berkeley School of Music, and I've always been like exceptionally jealous of him and, and his talents, and so much of that comes from that sort of education. So I've always felt a little insecure about that in a good way that I just wanting to challenge myself to, to learn more. And I feel like, especially now, I've just gotten so far not really knowing or not writing that way that I think that um, it's a really, it's a very easy way um, to kind of incorporate more interesting t ways to write a song and uh, just learning when you hear a moment in a song, like why, why that mathematically is like interesting to you and, and, and to learn that about my own songs and, and actually start from 
there when I go into writing things, I think will be really helpful. So I think that Kokomo was an example where it was like the first time I incorporated like a minor fourth chord and was like learning, you know, like from Beatles songs, how to, how to do things like that and, and what made it interesting. How do you know when a song is done? Is there a temptation to tinker for you a lot or, or do you kind of know immediately when you have it? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, so much of making music is rooted in intuition where it just feels like you're, you're, for me, I always, I always talk about how, um, I'm always searching for a lift in music emotionally, like in a chorus, like I want to feel like my heart is like being lifted into a new place. Um, I think a song always needs to have that for me. And so I'm always like trying to support lifts in music sonically, um, And when I feel like that's really there and a song travels in that way, it's just a very like almost physical feeling that it it is done. Um, Sometimes it's, it's harder than, than others finding that. Yeah. But I do think that it is, it's like really ingrained in me when it, when it's not there. Do you find that, that your favorite songs kind of come the quickest? Um, that's a great question. Uh, some sometimes yeah i mean i think that uh yeah there are certain i'm trying to think of like specific songs that i love i mean boyish like that's off of the last album soft sounds was something that took years to figure out how to get right and i think is one of my favorite songs because it took so long to get there in a mm-hmm. way i mean it went through so many iterations but then there are songs like you know kokomo is one of my favorite songs off of this record And that song did come together pretty quickly. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Snag a job is where America goes to hire 
with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Uh, early in your, your time making music as Japanese Breakfast, you, uh, you were involved with a project where you wrote a song every day for the month of June. And you've talked about how so much of the work of being an artist is, is showing up and putting yourself out there, which is so interesting to me as a music lover who loves music and plays instruments, but I've never been able to write a song my entire life. And I just sort of assumed that you kind of had it or you don't. You were touched with this fire or you weren't. Um, so it was really refreshing to hear you say that. Do you still approach songwriting in the same way? Is it still like a daily practice for you, like some people do yoga or jog? Yeah, I mean, definitely not. Uh, I, I feel <laughs> like I, I, um, it's a very like on and off thing for me. I feel like uh, if I'm entering a song writing, like if it's time for me to write a new record, um, I like pull, I like pull on the tap. And then I, and then that's when I start getting regimented about showing up every day. But until then, I, I don't, I don't, I don't pick up a guitar. Honestly, I never like try to write unless I'm like setting out to write an album. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, I, it used to be when I was younger, I would like, it would, inspiration would strike and then you, you would go and do it. But now it's more of just like, if I'm ready to write an album, I'll spend, I'll turn on the tap for like a week and write every day for a week and then have to go and do something else and, and turn it off for a while. You're going to hang up on me for this question, but I was curious if there's a flip side to the, the showing up every day. Is there, is there a supernatural element to, to songwriting at all that you believe? I, I think so. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that in a way, I think you're like chasing a voice in your head, you know? I mean, there is kind of something, uh, magical and, uh, about that feeling like I don't know where that sound comes from but I hear it in my head and you're creating you know you're chasing after it is there an element of superstition for you when you write is there a certain time of day that you feel is better or a, a lucky instrument or a room or even just a ritual like okay I need my, my cup of tea before I begin this or not really I think for me it's just creating that space um I do like I, I think I just so badly want to be this regimented morning person even though I'm maybe not and 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 that is how I kind of write now it's like if I, I think if I think about going into the to start writing this next record I probably will be like in a room for a week like writing every day but I really like creating uh like weird guidelines and rules for myself because I find that like having those weird restrictions or limitations is actually really helpful for me like something like June where it's like 
you have a, a, you have to write a song every day. It doesn't matter like if you have three jobs that day. It doesn't matter if you have ten minutes. Like you're leaving here with a song, and I think that it, creating that opportunity for like raw source, unapologetic like raw source material is really um, helpful for me to return to, edit, and jump off of. When I when I talk to people who are, are blessed with the ability to, to write music, I'm always so curious about what what compels them to do so. Is it a desire to connect with other people and share? Or is it more of a need to just get these feelings out of you and you would write just as much if you were in a, a cabin in the woods alone or on a desert island somewhere? Or is I imagine there's probably an element of both, but does one win out over the other? I never think about other people. <laughs> really? <laughs> right. Yeah, I never, I never think about other people because I think that I need to just write what I'm interested in and hopefully people will like it and, and maybe they won't. But I, I, I never have thought about anyone else uh, when I'm writing. The, uh, have you ever learned something about yourself after, after writing a song? You know, they say like every character in a dream is you. Is when you listen to a song back that you've just written, uh, do you, uh, is it almost like getting a really good dream reading? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, have I learned some? Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that. I mean, I think a lot of my songs, honestly, and I, I kind of like caught myself because I was like, "You can't keep doing this." But a lot of my songs will start with something like "I want," uh, and I and I noticed that I was doing that too often, where it's like, "I want to be a woman of regimen," or "I want to be good." I want to do this thing. And I was like, oh, this is like a thing that you're doing a lot. And and so I do think I, I noticed like, yeah, I think in a way it reveals like where your psyche is because there are certain things that are like um, dogging you that you can't escape from from writing about or like is is something that you want to unpack. Uh, yeah, I think that, that that pattern and looking back at like something that you always kind of like are writing and grappling with is, is clearly like a reflection of your psyche in some way, even if it is a song that's like kind of rooted in fiction. I mean, I want ambition, forward thinking. Yeah. 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 The, the visuals, I meant to mention this earlier for this record are just absolutely stunning. I mean, from the bright yellow color palette of the cover and the promos to the amazing videos. I mean, the, the Spike Jones does X-Files, be sweet. I mean, posing in bondage, savage good boy. It's, they're so incredible. How, how are you inspired for the visual components of music? Are you aware of them as you're writing the song? Do you get the visuals in your head almost like synesthesia? Or do you sit down and think about it after the fact? Um, I'm not going to be an artist that claims <laughs> synesthesia. But I I don't really think about the visuals at all until the song is done because the song changes so much in arrangement and production mm. from when it first starts, you know. So once the album is done... Um, and also it's so frustrating because sometimes you have a really good idea and the label or, or you even don't want it to be a, a, a single. And so it, you know, you have to like, if, even if you have an idea, you have to like kind of get it out of your head. Um, but yeah, I think it's become just like a delightful part of the process. Um, Adam Kolodny is the director of photography on, on all of my music videos. And it's such a, I, I, at this point, it doesn't feel complete unless I direct three music videos to accompany an album and it's such a big part of the process and and something that I really enjoy but yeah usually the ideas don't really come until after the song is completed
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You've, uh, you've said in interviews that um, making music gave you the confidence to write this book. I was wondering, uh, what has the book given you confidence to do? Oh, um, gosh. I mean, I guess it's given me confidence to write again and, and know that I, it, it's okay to, to work in multiple mediums and, and, you know, it's just done so well. And so I think it's just encouraged me, um, that, that that's a path that I can continue to take as, as writing albums and, and writing books. I think it's also taught me, I mean, I, you know, honestly, the, the book taught me so, so much about myself. I think I was able to find a lot of forgiveness, uh, in the book for, for all of the characters, you know, the characters of my life and, um, myself included. Um, I, I had, I used to have so much shame and guilt about, um, being a difficult teenager, uh, and, and putting my mom through, you know, a difficult time. And I think that through writing this book, I came to realize that, you know, we were up against, um, such challenging odds. Uh, we had no, representation in the media and we had no peers that were going through being a mother and daughter uh, raised from different cultures with very different upbringings and values that in retrospect like of course we were going to have that type of friction and I think that I didn't really understand that or really even think about our relationship in that context until I started writing this book and that was really freeing for me uh, to forgive myself for putting my mom through 
you know, these sort of like rotten teenage moments because I think I was coming from a place where, you know, it was just difficult. I had no, um, I had no reference points. Uh, and, and I think that, yeah, that was really comforting to me. That, that was a, a big moment for me to, to learn from. Imagine the the revision process of this book must have been so interesting because you know as a narrator it's your job to be fair to people. I imagine the the when that's tough to do when these are personal stories with a lot of emotion tied into it. First draft you put it down as you remember it, and then I imagine reading it back and seeing it in black and white on the page must have almost neutralized it in a way. I don't know if that's a word at all or the way to use that word, but made it something more neutral that you could objectively see and kind of see the situation maybe for closer to what it actually was and not how you remembered it. Yeah, I mean, the revision was really where I feel like the the writing really began in a way, if, if that makes sense. Like, uh, I, I think that the, the the first draft of this book was a disaster, but it needed to be, it like needed to be. I think like the real good parts of the book, like, you know, obviously came in, in the revision. The, the, the most exciting part of writing for me was the revision process and, and watching that come together because it definitely made me realize I was so, the first draft was very angry, very angry at my dad, very angry at Kay, very angry at all of my relatives, all of my friends, all me, mom. And I think that after writing it, all out there in the rawest form and then taking six months, you know, maybe like four or five months away from it and having an editor come in and give their take on it and then read it again for the first time, I really realized um, how angry I was. And then to be able to go in and be like, okay, now go back in and, and be fair. Um, it, was a, it was a real learning experience and, and, I, and a real joy of, of that revision process, certainly. There's a, a part in the book that really stuck with me when your your mother tells you to always hold 10% of yourself back. And I imagine as an artist where, you know, being fully transparent in a lot of ways is sort of the goal. That's probably very hard to do. Uh, is that a struggle for you to know where to draw that line, where to keep things back in any medium, in in, in writing, in, in, in screenwriting, in music, to know where that line is for where to keep things back for yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's less in art for me than it is just in my daily life, you know? I mean, I think that in, in at least, it's more of like in the industry of like how to protect yourself and not completely trusting people um, is where that 10% comes in for me. I mean, there's certainly parts of my life that are, that are private and that are not in the book, even though it seems like everything is there. Um, but yeah, I think that it's, I don't know, that is... It's just, I guess, an intuition of just like what is what is for other people, what is for what is for me. And it's now being made into a film, which I mean, as a as a film studies major and a creative writing student, that that just must be the most thrilling thing in the world. I mean, congratulations. Uh, but films are, you know, probably the ultimate collaborative art form. And this is such a personal story. Uh, other people will be playing you and, and people, the very important people in your life. How does that sit with you? Is that an exciting prospect or is that a little unsettling that sort of a, a bunch of these pe people are going to be playing a role in this very personal story for you? Um, honestly, it's mostly unsettling. <laughs> but, I mean, I think that um, I, I've... I'm also, you know, I, I, I think it has the potential to be something really special and I'm really excited for it. And I think that um, the people involved will help make it something really beautiful. And I think that I have a good, I tend to have a good um, 
feeling about people. And I feel like the production company and my producers are people that um, are not going to let this be bad. And then I do think that I will have some strong input to, to help it along. But yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I, I'm, I, it's scary, certainly. Stacey Shirt did the uh, Garden State soundtrack, which like... I mean, Stacey Shirt did a lot of incredible things. And I, I feel like so um, inspired and protected by her. And it just makes complete sense that like someone even on her level still works like just so in the trenches. Like it's it's incredible. I mean, there she is like, she's such a punk, like truly. <laughs> Um, but then she's like, you know, she like produced the Oscars last year. Like she's like on such a high level in Hollywood and yet she's still a punk. And that's what makes her incredible at her job. I think like it's fine. It's, it, I, I was so nervous about entering Hollywood and it's not really like ever been something that's like interesting uh, or, or exciting to me the way that it is for, I think a lot of people. It's, it's something I was very, very skeptical of going into. And I, I'm really glad that Similar in music, if you just find your people, there are your people in, in every sphere. You just have to, you know, apply that same kind of judgment uh, into into it. I'm calling it now Oscars. I mean, you're, you're going to be on your way to an EGOT. You got Grammys this weekend. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we're speaking just a few days before the Grammys, and you're a first-time nominee for Best New Artist and Best Alternative Album. Uh, my question is basically a line from Paprika. Uh, How does it feel to stand at the height of your powers, to captivate every heart, projecting your visions to strangers who feel it, who listen, who linger on every word? I don't think I can ask the question any better than that. How does it feel? How are you feeling? It's a rush. <laughs> <laughs> I set myself up for that, yeah. Yeah, I. it feels really great. I'm, like, really excited to be going to the Grammys with, like, three... Or actually, like, four, like, DIY Philly punks I came up with, you know? Uh, my band is going with me, and our, our man, one of our managers, like, actually used to be in Little Big Big. And so it feels, like, so wild that we've infiltrated this world together. <laughs> like, actually, just the other day, it was my, it was my birthday yesterday, and my, um, my bass player found this old photo of us, like, 10 years ago, staying at this, like, disgusting punk house, like, all sleeping on one pull-out couch. And it's just crazy to think of, like, how how far we've come. And it's, it's a real, like, miracle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well... So, b happy belated birthday, by the way. I, I, uh, your, 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 your present, the Grammy is coming. I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. Oh my gosh! I mean, that's just—I mean, so incredibly well deserved. I mean, I just—I'm—I'm I'm so so happy for me. I love the fact that one of the nominations was announced by BTS. That must have just been really know, special yeah. for for your aunt and family in Korea. That must, they must have been excited about that. Uh, it was really cool. I hope that they still play. I know that one. I think Jungkook like got COVID and like, maybe they won't be able to perform. Oh my gosh. Well, there, there was something you, you tweeted uh, a ways back about where you said that a, a lot of your joy derived from, from vengeance, which is amazing because I think a lot of us feel that way to a certain extent. It's, it's brave to own it. But in the wake of this year with all you've accomplished, I wanted to ask you about that. Do you still feel that way or what, what brings you the most joy now, I guess is the question. I do, you know, I still do feel like really, it's a weird thing. I, sometimes I wish it wasn't that way, but sometimes I also like delight in 
<laughs> in it. I think it's just those full circle moment things where it's just like, oh, I used to work at this coat check and now this coat check is named after me. There's like some kind of vengeance in that, you know, just like those are the things that, um, you know, you like are really, really put it in perspective of like where, where you came from and where you are now. And so those types of moments um, still bring me great, great joy. Yeah. You are Jimmy Fallon big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Like that exactly, yeah. Uh, Michelle, congratulations! It's been a true joy speaking to you. Um, oh, in paprika, you. so I mean, you know, you know, I've done so many interviews, and this was so thoughtful and, and very special. Thank you so much for for putting the the time and care into this. I, I really appreciate it. It is the least I can do for all I've gotten out of your work. Thank you. I, uh, in Paprika, you have the line, I want my offering to woo, to calm, to clear, to solve. And I'd say you've gone above and beyond. So thank you for your time today. And thank you for your music. You're the best. Thank oh, you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside the Studio, a production of iHeartRadio. For more episodes of Inside the Studio or other fantastic shows, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.